Hello, hello. This is Laura Camacho, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura podcast. And today we have a very good episode for you on the topic of super connectors. And maybe you are one, maybe you want to become one, maybe you have a friend. I have friends who are super connectors, and I can say that I have become one. And how do you know if you're a super connector? It's like this. When you meet someone, you think of other people that you would like for them to meet that you know. It may be a little bit too early in the relationship to carry through with that, but you are thinking of people, oh, this person should meet so-and-so. Oh, this person reminds me of so-and-so. Oh, I bet my friend so-and-so can help. That's a super connector. Sarah Sophia Knapp is our guest today. She lives in Charlotte and we actually met at an event, I believe in 2015. I'm going to get her to correct the record, but she has her events company and she does marketing for people. She is extremely creative. She's able to decorate and do marketing and connect people. She has her own business. She's had it for quite some time. And she actually introduced me to some of the podcast guests she's brought on or introduced me to some of the fun people that we've had on this podcast. But she also brought me a juicy client by introducing me to a friend of hers. And then that friend lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. This was in 2019, I think. One of my daughters was living in Cincinnati and I went to visit my daughter and met her friend for lunch, Amanda. And then Amanda recommended me for this amazing client in New York City. So that's how I got my first New York City Manhattan client who flew me up there. It's very nice. Sarah is a great person and you're really going to enjoy talking to her. Let me just remind you that Nixonian Institute, where I work, the sponsor of this podcast, we can bring you coaching. We can bring you a webinar. We can bring you a full day of training. That's like no other. It's all homegrown here. It's all customized to your company, customized to your needs. I mean, we have themes about communicating with everyone better. We have themes about executive presence, winning presentations, and culture building. But we adapt to your company. So that's one of the things that is great about working with McSimmon Institute is that the content is going to be completely customized to what you need. And that includes the exercises and assessments and everything we do. So Mixonian Institute, and you can reach us at www.speakupwithlaura.com. I changed the website because nobody knows how to spell Mixonian, but you can spell Speak Up With Laura. So Sarah, it's great to have you on the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. Thank you for tuning in and showing up and bringing me great guests. And now we get to talk to you. I'm very pleased that you're here. And I would like for you to kick this off by telling our audience, you know, they're super smart, curious people. How did you get into your own business? Did you ever do time in corporate? I have already told them you're super creative, you're great at connecting, which is an essential business building and career building skill, but you really do it with charm and flair and personality. So tell us about yourself, Sarah. Oh, well, thank you, Laura. That's a wonderful introduction. Well, I am a poli-sci major by trade, and so I was really passionate in my 20s. I'm going to change the world, and I did policy, worked for a U.S. senator, I was a lobbyist for the state of Ohio, 
And then I moved to political fundraising, where I started working on Supreme Court justices campaigns. And I got married around the same time. And I said, you know what? Doing these political finance and the campaigns, I'm talking to the caterers and the florists and cleaning all. I enjoy that. And at the end of the day, 99% of the time, it's a happy outcome, right? So I said, why am I doing all this? I am going to start my own business. And just as I had gotten my website up and I was back in Columbus, Ohio, I had done business development, banking. And so I had all my contacts. My husband said, oh, I got a job in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am going to move there before you finish your campaigns. And I know you're also starting your own business. So I had to kind of start my business from scratch in Charlotte. You moved to Charlotte, and then I realized I am pregnant. And so it was a lot, you know, when you have those newborns and starting your own business. But what did I do? I joined the Junior League. I started joining organizations and volunteering. So I really got to know the community so I could build my business. And those are the people that maybe can afford to hire me when you're looking at your peers and you're starting your own business, people get very offended. Well, my friends and my family, they're not supporting. But those aren't the people that you're trying to attract as your clients. They might have references for you, but building your clientele is really difficult. You have to go outside your norm. And I started doing weddings and parties. Then I had kids, so it evolved to kid parties. Well, within that first year, Another party stylist saw my child's first birthday party on my website and recommended me to Shutterfly. Then I started these brand campaigns with Shutterfly. And I said, wow, what am I doing? I'm making money. I don't have to worry about everyone else's opinion. I have total creative freedom. So my business model changed to working with brands. And I still work with personal clients. But then the brands, sometimes like a one-time deal, or we have a contract for a year, or it's a monthly retainer. But it evolved even more because during the shutdown, no one's doing parties. And the brands started cutting back on their campaigns. How am I going to make money? And so really, people need help. Help with how do they communicate? How do they communicate online? Their social media? You know, I have all this content, photos, video, but I don't know what to say or how to post it. And so whether it's just one individual person or a small business or a big brand, that's where I'm like, I can offer that service to help them not only create the content, but also have strategy behind it and then manage their own social media accounts. So I've kind of pivoted a couple of times through my career, but now I've been doing this content creation and digital marketing strategy for over 12 years. Oh my goodness, that's remarkable. Well, congratulations. And I think that's a beautiful example of pivoting to meet market need. And and that most people listening to us right now work in corporate, but they also have to pivot because there's a new technology. Now everybody's adapting to chat DPT. And after that, it'll be something else. I don't remember the history, but I know that 
now all the digital stuff is being stored in cloud and there's cloud-based everything. And after that, it will be something else. Even though we small business owners, we may be more agile because there's fewer people to move around, but really everybody to be paying attention to what's going on in order to pivot to have a more profitable career. Everybody, of course, had to do that one way or the other with the COVID lockdown. But that's very interesting. And I have to comment on your political beginnings. I think that was a great place to start and to learn about personal relationships. My doctoral dissertation is about Hugo Chavez and his political rhetoric and how he was able to win votes while train wrecking the country. And he's still revered as a semi-messiah today. People felt like he cared about them. And communication can be used for good or, or not good. It's definitely a skill. And it's definitely one that can't be replaced by computers yet. <laughs> you know, that you can have your computer write your email, but it's not going to be the same. And we've got so much to cover, but I wanted to ask you this question on the topic of social media, because a lot of people ask me about LinkedIn and say they're senior manager, senior director. They're not really looking for a job, but they are trying to get visibility or they want to be out there a little, but they don't have time because the corporate everybody is running around like 20 chickens with their head cut off all the time. Meeting, 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 meeting. So what would you say to someone who's like that super busy, but wants to have some kind of presence on LinkedIn and maybe build that network? Do you have any suggestions about that? Yes. So, you know, I do digital marketing, social media. So LinkedIn has become another network. You know, when we talk about networking, LinkedIn is one of those resources with connecting with people professionally. LinkedIn has really evolved over the years from just a job site where I'm going to look for my job or as a business, I'm just going to post an article, post and ghost as we say, post and then leave it and I leave the platform. People are not leaving LinkedIn. I'm noticing that they keep LinkedIn in the background in their office all day long. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Ooh. Okay, everybody. Hot tip from somebody who works in this all the time. So people are using LinkedIn probably more than you realize. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Facebook might be a little suspect. <laughs> yes, not Facebook, but definitely LinkedIn. You can tell by that green lights because I'm on at different times during the day. And I just noticed really since the pandemic, it has just evolved to where People are not just posting an article. They are posting and developing their personal brand. So this is a great tool for you to start using to build your personal brand and to build connections and foster those relationships. You know, people only have 30 seconds to look at your profile before they move on. And to even look at your profile, you have to be posting and building your personal brand by Are you in IT? Are you in finance? What is your expertise, your interest? You should be posting about that. You should have a great profile picture. You should have a bio. I do social media audits where I go on to LinkedIn and I say, well, let's look at your profile. Let's look at your bio. 
can I tell what you do from your bio? Are you telling me how many years of experience you have? What field of work you're working in? Your interests? What are your skill set? That should all be in your bio. And then make sure you smile. You should have a profile picture where you're smiling because you are more approachable. People consider you to be you know, warm and friendly when you smile. So if you have a picture of you being serious and you're uncomfortable, you're in a suit, usually don't wear a suit, that shouldn't be your profile picture. So those are types of things that I would go through with you in a social media audit. And the difference is when we are connecting with people in the workplace and they leave, they leave our own place of work, or I had a contact somewhere at this company and now I've lost them. I only had their work email or their work phone number. I really wish I had a way to connect. LinkedIn, now you can connect and you can stay connected with them throughout their career. And it's not just, hey, for that one time deal, I have connected with you with so many people at different points in my career. And even as advice, you know what? I'm applying for this job. I see that you're working here. Could you put in a good word with the hiring manager? Or it's even if I don't know somebody, but I noticed they went to my college. What do you have in common? You went to the same college. You have that connection that in, it's just another foot in the door that you wouldn't otherwise have. So LinkedIn is a powerful tool. You should be posting, you should be engaging. And that means even if it's posting once a month, post once a month, but you can't just be scrolling. You need to be actually visibly engaging, not just liking it. But the best is if something resonates with you, comment, let them know. Oh, yeah. People love comments. That's where the interest is, really. Yes. They want to know that they are providing value and you want to provide value back. And now you've connected. You're building a relationship. It's part of being a super connector that we're going to talk about. But then you're also being recognized. When you comment on someone else's post, people from their following go to you. They look at your profile. They look at your posts. And then you gain more followers, more connections that maybe that will lead to something down the line that you can build those relationships. I love this. This is all so good. And I know you who are listening, you know that your LinkedIn profile probably needs a touch up, (laughs) probably like 99%. So you can contact Sophia and she can do a full audit. But in, in any case, yeah, don't have your high school picture with a roughly tuxedo. Don't have a picture from a frat party. Don't have a picture that your mom took at that last wedding. No, invest in a professional photo. The smiling thing is important. I learned that. I did a big photo shoot with my family posing as corporate cogs. We did, you know, happy work scenes and not happy work scenes. And boy, did I learn that when I was trying to communicate that McSonian Institute can help solve this problem of an unhappy team and putting a picture of an unhappy team is not good. <laughs> they, they just <laughs> like the algorithms do not like unhappy faces. So even if you're talking about a pain point, make sure the picture is positive. I love that just post once a month and you don't have to write the article. You 
and just post something from the Wall Street Journal or anything. But I think you're right. It should be related to the work that you do. Our networks today, just like with Thera, we met at a breakfast and we had breakfast together. We haven't seen each other in person since then, but we have been kept connected. Wasn't it 2015 with that breakfast at the Southern Sea in Charleston? Yes. But then we did, we did, I mean, when you came to, to Charlotte. Yes. Oh, that's right. For something else. But 2015 to now is eight years. And we have collaborated in very small but powerful ways throughout the years. And I know that somebody says, oh, we're moving to Charlotte. I'm going to say, call Sarah. She will update you. That's because I know she's a super connector. So your LinkedIn is part of that. It's not only that, but it's part of that. So we're going to shift now to the in-person aspect of not just building, but building and nourishing and helping people in your network. It's not all about you. I remember being totally repulsed by the idea of going to a party where I didn't know anybody. I mean, that to me was extremely intimidating. And then as an introvert, then thinking, well, out of all these people, how do I know who I'm supposed to meet? Like I thought there was some, you know, red, yellow, green system where I would meet quote unquote the right people. And then that is just absurdly ridiculous. I know that now, but I did it at the time that you just meet people and then the most unexpected people sometimes help you in the best ways. And the people that you think are going to be super helpful turn out not to be. So you just never know. And it's more interesting that way. But how do you see yourself as a super connector, especially now in 2023, post-lockdown, people are still a little bit less there in person than they used to be, although that's changing. What's your take on being a super connector? I really love being a super connector, and I've enjoyed it since I was young. And I think people get so intimidated. How do you do that? And it's part of networking. And I think a lot of people assume networking is like these big conferences, or like you said, you go to a cocktail party or, and it's event after work and it's happy hour and you're tired. You don't really feel like talking to anyone. Yes, those are networking events, but that's not the same. It's really about building relationships and having something in common. And to do that, you have to take the time to ask them questions. And we moved really at the height of the pandemic. We sold our house and then we bought our house after a couple months of being nomads. And people were still kind of in lockdown mode and remote. My husband had just started a new job. The kids were remote learning. So I said, you know what? I'm going to have some food trucks come to our neighborhood. And people loved it. They had not even gotten together like in the year and a half because of the lockdown. And then just this spring, I said, you know what? I've only been in the neighborhood almost three years, but our neighborhood's turned over so much that I've met people, but there's no way for us to all connect. And I said, I will host. You guys can come over to my house, hop in when you can. A lot of them work or have small children, there's activities. I just said, whenever you can, pop it. And people said, you know what, Sarah, I can't come, but it means so much that you're offering your home and you're connecting me to all these people because I moved here. I haven't met anyone in nine months. 
Wow. It was incredible. They stayed way too late. They said, we didn't realize this. We're sorry. (laughs) We hadn't planned on it. I said, you know what? That's when you know you've had the best party, when no one wants to go home. Even the introverts who don't want to host say, I will come again to the party. And so it makes everyone feel like, hey, people are interested in me. We're not just this cold neighborhood where we don't know each other and we're living in our own lives. So that's just one small example of connecting. Like you said, if I knew one of your friends was moving to Charlotte, I am the first person to give you the restaurants, where to live, the activities, because I enjoy it. I want people to have the best time that they can and community. Why would you make it difficult for somebody? Exactly. And you're making that connection. I just gave you all these recommendations or I connected you to a community because I wanted to and I don't expect anything out of it. But now I've built this connection with you. I'm building a relationship. Now you're more willing to ask me to do something or we're going to collaborate. So it's really about that initial step. Get to know someone, ask them a few questions, make the connection. That's what networking is all about. And it's so fun to do that. Once you take pressure off of trying to make a great first impression and stop worrying about it, then it becomes fun. And just an example of exactly what you're saying, sister-in-law in Houston, who is another super connector, flaming extrovert, and she called me and said, the daughter of a friend of hers is moving to Charleston to take a job with Garden and Gun. And right away, I reached out to my daughter's friend, because I mean, she's like, what, 22, 23 years old. And I'm happy to meet with her, but it was nice to be able to introduce a young person to other young people who knew. And because I had gone to an event the morning before my sister-in-law called me, just pure coincidence, but I had been to an event I had learned where all people were moving to, like the part of town, a certain complex that's kind of in downtown. And that's apparently the hotspot for young people. So I was able to say, well, to look at this place and that because I just learned that. And that's how it is. Even like we just learned from you about people having LinkedIn open at work. That's not something you're going to read in the Wall Street Journal. That's not something that's going to be on some report unless it's a footnote in a marketing report that you're never going to read. So you really learn things that are relevant to you that you would never learn otherwise by talking to people. So I know you're super experienced at this, but think about somebody who's a little nervous about meeting people. What would you tell them how to start that conversation? What's the line between being too nosy and asking questions? You know, you want to ask questions, but you don't want it to sound like an interrogation. Right. So I want to start off with smile. So whether you're in person, on a video call or a phone call, even now, even though it's just the two of us, I am reminding myself, smile, Sarah, smile, because I come off as more warm and friendly and approachable. And people get that and they're like, you know what? I want to be around that person. You don't have to be an extrovert. Introverts can smile too, right? Yes. Yes, we can. (laughs) And you also, you might not have your voice. It might be lower. It might not be 
as loud, but practice. Practice speaking a little bit louder than you normally would. Uh, great tip. Because right? as a communication coach, that's going to make you sound more confident and easier for the other person to understand. And so if they're not having to work so hard to understand what you're saying, you're just helping things along. All right, I interrupted. <laughs> Continue. No, no, that's exactly right. And then when you first meet somebody or even on that phone call in a meeting, you have those first couple minutes. Don't say, how's your day going? Let's, hey, do you play tennis? Do you play golf? You know, those are the types of things, the connections. Where did you go to college? March Madness is going on. And I tell you what, it makes a huge difference. And here's an example. My husband worked in this previous group. And he loves sports and fantasy football, but they don't like sports. They love Disney. And they talk about the latest Disney ride, how to do Disney on a budget. They all have annual passes. And when we first went to Disney, my husband was like, eh. But now he's like, oh, did someone talk about Disney? He lights up. He loves it. Because this group, he learned, I talk Disney. And now he's since left <laughs> this group like several years ago. And they meet for lunch every so often. And what do they have in common? Yes, they work for the same company in this group, but that's not what's keeping them connected. It's the fact that they have a common interest of Disney. And in these conversations, you know, they're casual lunches, maybe at Jersey Mike's or something like this, right? Nothing fancy. And a lot of them are introverts because they're CPAs and they do a lot of backroom accounting work. But they get so excited about Disney, but they also say, you know what? Let me bounce an idea off of you. Or I know that you golf. I want to pick up that. And then my husband said, well, come to the driving range with me. Well, that's another segue. I play tennis. So find out what do they like to do? And then follow up with them after that conversation. If you're at work or you're on that phone call, send them a follow-up email. So many relationships are missed because you didn't follow up. And when you follow up, they know that you have something in common because you reiterate that. Say, I know that you love to play tennis. Let's play tennis, not sometime in the future. What does your schedule look like in the next two weeks? So give a call to action. And then you'll go play tennis. You'll realize your shoulders are relaxed. You're not wearing your office uniform. You're playing. You have a good time. And then maybe you do it again. And this is how you're building the relationship. You can start bouncing ideas off. Maybe it's your direct report. Maybe this is a member of your team. If you need to work on something and you ask for some criticism of how you can improve yourself so you can get that promotion... They're more likely to really tell you in a more relaxed atmosphere or recommend you for another job when you have that interest in common than if you're just at the workplace and all we have in common is we're getting our stuff completed because I'm talking to you just to check you off my task list. Wow, that's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. I mean, yes, you have to get the work done, but if you want to get side scoop <laughs> we've got to find common interest and it could be a sport you play like i have two granddaughters now that are a year and a half and i have 
forgotten how insane little toddlers are. They're literally these little insane, energetic people who try to kill themselves seven times a day. And if they succeed, it's your fault. That's something that I'm in common with people. When you spend a lot of time with a toddler, you definitely can do sanity checks together. Or like you said, the Disney interest. And that's going to help you build a relationship at work and go out to lunch. I love that idea. And on the topic of lunch, let's extend that a little bit. First of all, for those of you who are listening, I'm the mother confessor, so I know what's going on. People are taking their teams out to lunch more than they've done in a while. That's not too awkward because you work with the people. What about a successful offsite taking the team somewhere for the day? What are your tips around taking people that you work with away from work and doing something meaningful? I think it's a great idea when you think about why you work there. It's primarily, yes, it's a job, making sure that you provide for your family and all those things. But what's keeping you there? Are you happy? And so there really has been a transition, especially since the pandemic, because I mean, I felt isolated. I, I mean, I've been working from home for over 12 years, but my kids were doing remote and then my husband was here. And yes, I had them, but it's a lot and you forget how to talk to people. And so it is mentally draining. For my husband, he's an introvert. And I said, you work so much better when you are in the office and you're able to actually talk to that person. And then you guys figure out the issue and solve it versus taking three days to solve an <laughs> issue, right? An accounting right, issue. Right. And he said, you're right, Sarah. I said, but it's because you made that connection. And if you go out to lunch, people don't want like the ping pong table and free happy hour. That's not meaningful. It's these connections and doing something together. So you could do like going to the driving range. There's driving ranges where they offer dinner and drinks and things like that. You could do that with your team. You could do like a team building exercise. We have this really cool place called the Whitewater Center here in Charlotte. And you could do kayaking or whitewater rafting, or there's a ropes course, zip lining, any of those things where it's a little bit past your comfort level, but you are bonding because you guys are all doing it together. And then now you have this thing that you guys, you pushed past your fears or it was exhilarating that you have in common now that has bonded you. And it's networking. You don't even realize that you guys are networking outside of the office. Because now you have something in common and then you're going to want to be able to talk to them more easily, right? Other than just, hey, how's your day going? Or good morning? Or can you get this done for me? It's going to be more of a collaboration and you never know down the road where that will lead. And I also want to say it's a little bit separate than doing events or lunches or after work get togethers, but go to that conference or to that retreat because that's where you're going to really meet people and connect 
And I'm not talking about the big conferences. I'm talking about maybe a smaller scale conference. You're going to have those conversations in the hallways. Laura and I met on the last day of the conference at the breakfast farewell. We both had similar experiences where she had gone with her sister, but I went all by myself. And the group I thought I had come with were like, going to go our separate way. So I went out of my comfort zone, even though I like to be around people, it was hard to be on and go to all these breakout sessions and then go up to people you don't know and start a conversation and then go to dinner. But I'm so thankful that I did. And I just didn't say, I'm going to stay in my hotel room for the rest of the time and leave because I met Laura and then we were able to talk about hey, you know what? I had that experience too. It's hard for me to just go up to people that I don't know and start a conversation. And here we are, we've partnered several times and I just got back from a retreat and I feel more energized. I feel like I'm ready to dig in. We didn't do any of like the seminars or anything like that. We had a pool day, we had massages, we went to Epcot. But we all have in common is the same field of work. We're all content creators, bloggers, they IT people in SEO. And some people, they do really well in the SEO, where people like me, I'm really good with the social media and helping people get on podcasts. Well, I learned something from them. They learned something from me. And now we're collaborating already. We're going to partner, send clients to each other. And we have that connection of we went to Epcot, we went to this retreat together. So even if you just took your team on a day retreat and didn't do, we don't need to sit down and have a formal slideshow. I learn so much more and connect more with people when I'm doing something that pushes me out of the work environment. And you're really just, like you said, getting to know them, not just the work that they do. It makes a huge difference. It does. And it reminds me, a big aha I had many years ago was about the problem with networking. And I made this mistake myself, is getting too transactional too early. And that means that you start like, hey, I'm Laura, I sell communication workshops. Would you like one? That would not be a good way to get business. Nevertheless, I probably did that many years ago. Transactional communication is like, we've got to get the task done or the job done. And that is essential. That's work. But there has to be more than that. If you want to be a super connector, if you want to have a richer life, you have got to go beyond just when are you going to have this thing ready for me? Why isn't ready now? What are your obstacles? Life is more than just a one-on-one with your boss. So. Think about getting non-transactional and whether that's a personal check-in, if you're a fully remote, you can have personal little meetings, half hour with people. But I want to recap, you've given us so many great diamond-studded takeaways. To recap, get on LinkedIn, spiff up your profile. You don't have to do it all at once. Sarah can help you with that. We'll give you the contact information later. Um, go beyond transactional with the people that you work with and maybe get to know your neighbors. Maybe host a little event in your town. 
my husband and I do a lot of cookout and with people bringing stuff, it is not that much. I was invited on Easter. This woman gave a four course meal for 30 people. She and her mom put together that. Wow. And it was great, but I ain't going to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Until I have my staff. When I have my staff, we'll all come over for a four-course dinner. But meanwhile, it's a cookout with paper plates. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy. I want to touch on one more topic, and then we're going to wrap it up. I want y'all to benefit from Sarah's creativity. If you follow her on Instagram, you see that part of her creativity is like, you don't have to shop at Neiman Marcus to get a nice tablescape. Like, she goes to the dollar store. but. Tell us about how, even if we're a program manager at Facebook or a senior engineer at Capital One or have our own digital marketing company, how can we be more creative and why should we do that? What would be the takeaway there? Well, how can you be more creative? I think one of the things for me is I love to take walks. I take walks daily. And it is proven, there was a study, that we are more creative when we stop what we're doing, get off that computer. It's not in the brainstorming meetings that I'm going to get this great idea. It's when I'm outside. You don't actually have to be outside. The study said you could be on your treadmill. You can't go outside. But for me, I take my walk. I listen to your podcast. And then I'm like, oh, i got to pause. taking all these notes. And that's just how my brain is always churning. But I have to step away for a minute if I have a mental block just to be more creative and to think outside the box. And for me, it's walking. And for other people, when you sit down too, you're sitting down all day and your body just starts to get tired and just sluggish. So stand up, hold up your shoulders. A lot of people have those desks that are raised. So they can like walk and be standing and really does help the brain to flow better. So that's just one easy way that we could all, it doesn't have to be long. It could be 10 minutes. Start your day, just a 10 minute walk. And you'll be amazed at just how refreshed you feel. And so that's a good way to be creative. Another way is just to think about, okay, I hate hosting. That makes me nervous. People really feel that way. And I understand. So then think about, you know what? I'm just going to ask one person to come over. Or like I said, not even come over, just go play tennis or go play golf or whatever it is you like to do, take a walk. And then just imagine you guys having that connection. That is being creative right there. To me, when people see all my stuff, they're like, wow, that's beautiful. It's so much detail. I could never do it. And I said, well, the point is not to do every single thing. It's for you to be inspired. Choose three things that I did and do them well. And that's kind of how the creativity starts. You do one or two things. I like that. Well, I now I feel confident I'm going to try something else. So those are kind of my suggestions on how to be creative and get out of your zone And walk around. If you're in the office, make sure you're walking around and you're not just sitting there all day. I do know most people, when they're in accounting and finance and IT, they are sitting all day and they're just working all the time. And you really, 
I know the work never stops, but you have to force yourself to get up because if you don't, you're going to burn out eventually. You're going to turn into a potato. You'll be a potato <laughs> if you don't get out. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. So if you get Bill stuck, go for a walk and try creativity in one area of your life. And it could even be the way you have your next team meeting. Creativity doesn't mean that you're painting like Picasso did. So this has been so good, so practical, really great latest tips on being this creative super connector. Thank you so much, Sarah. Now tell everybody, if somebody here is thinking, okay, yes, I do want you to do an audit of my LinkedIn profile, or if they want to follow your creative fun stuff on Instagram, where can they find you? On LinkedIn, you can find me. Sarah Sophia, S-O-F-I-A, Neff on LinkedIn. And then on Instagram, Facebook, all my social media handles is Sarah Sophia Productions. And you can find me on Instagram and I have my link to like LinkedIn and Facebook. I have an Amazon store, um, my website, also SarahSophiaProductions.com. So I would love to connect and start creating and who knows, maybe collaborating. That's exactly right. And if you live in the Charlotte area, you should definitely reach out to Sarah. So thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun, very refreshing, lots of good ideas. As always, everybody, what can I say? But you're welcome. And I'll catch you on the next